Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you each and every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. Today, I have the author of the book called Off the Clock, Feel Less Busy While Getting More Done. Here's what's amazing. My guest is actually, as of today, the number two and number three best-selling book under Work-Life Balance on Amazon. She happens to be a mother of four, and by the way, happens to have 2.6 million views on her TED Talk called How to Gain Control of Your of Your Free Time. Laura Vanderkam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I'm I'm look, I'm I'm a freakazoid for time management, probably all in the wrong categories or departments. I have three boys, you've got four children, and um isn't it the ultimate struggle? I mean, how do we really find this balance of am I working too hard? Am I spending enough time at home? Am I am I am I parenting? Am I really present? What is this problem that we're all dealing with and why did you choose to address it? Well, I think it's an important topic because like you said, many people are trying to figure it out and figure out if their their balance is right or they're spending time on the important things. Um, but I'm particularly drawn to the topic because I think a lot of the narratives we have out there about time are wrong. Um, I think that people spend time in, in certain ways that we're unaware of, partly because time just keeps passing, whether we think about where it's going or not. And so uh, I've ha- spent the past 10 years or so having p- different people keep track of their time uh, so I can study their schedules and see where the time really goes. And, you know, fascinating things. It turns out many people work less than they think they do. Uh, they sleep more than they think they do. They tend to have more leisure time than they think they do. It's just uh, human nature to sort of feel differently. And those become our stories. Uh, so I try to push back a little bit against that uh, busy narrative that we're all so busy. And so how do you do that though, Laura? What is the, what is the adjustment? Because I, I was watching in your Ted talk about um, something that was similar to what I talk about in my book, which, which when it comes to money, um, I tell people that they have to begin to tell themselves that they're in what I call accumulation mode. And that is a very powerful statement. When you stop saying, I can't afford it, I can't do it, we don't have the money, and you begin to justify that decision as being in accumulation mode, when I started to do that to myself, it really began to begin very powerful for me because I didn't have to feel weak about not being able to do things because I was stacking and racking cash. But you have your own strategy of it, which is, when people say, I don't have time, you equate that to, it's just not a priority. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so this was one of the most insightful comments I've ever heard. I've gotten to interview a lot of busy people, putting busy in quote marks there over the years. But, uh, yeah. you know, people have a lot going on. And and one lady who I interviewed who was running a successful small business, also had six children, like you're talking a lot going on. She put it like this. She said, I never say, you know, I don't have time for X, Y, or Z. I say, I don't do X, Y, or Z because it's not a priority. Mm-hmm. And if you substitute that language, you realize that's pretty much more accurate. I mean, whatever it is that you're saying you don't have time to do, like if somebody offered to pay you enough, you'd probably make time in your schedule to do it. So it's not about lacking time. It's that you don't really want to. And, and that's fine. There's plenty of reasons you might not want to do something. Um, that it, plenty of reasons something might not be a priority for you right now. But adopting that mindset of time being a choice 
it's just incredibly powerful in terms of putting ourselves back in control of the narrative, putting ourselves in control of where our time goes. And I'm not saying that there aren't horrible consequences to making different choices. You know, you probably should go to work tomorrow. You know, you probably should be there when your, your kids are home or whatever. But like, it, it, there's still we have a certain level of control over parts of our schedule. And the more we can exert our influence over that, over time, that sense of control can grow. Yeah, the time piece is the most important thing. It's really the premise of my book. Everybody thinks my book is about making money, and it really has nothing to do with that. It really tells the story of my brother-in-law, John, who died at 46, my wife's only brother. And John used to always tell me, i got time. You know, i got time. I know I'm financially behind, but i got time. And then out of the blue, he got diagnosed with stage four cancer and died almost a year to the day. And so my argument in the book is that the sooner we come to grips with our lifestyle by design, what, what is it that we're really supposed to be doing, the better off we'll all be. And then I also believe that that gives you the clarity of how much money you need to do that lifestyle by design, right? That's the connection to money in the book. Everyone thinks it's about investment strategies. There's not one investment strategy in the book. But how do we know where we should be allocating our time. What what do you tell your audience as far as how are we supposed to allocate it? Because I think a lot of people, Laura, are living lives that someone else thought they should live. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, and the someone else may even have been you at a different stage. I mean, these things change over, over time as well. Yeah. Um, there is no right answer for how many hours you're supposed to devote to anything. Uh, I would say in terms of sleep, most people have a biological number that they have to devote to that, uh, which you probably need to hit, whatever that is. Um, but in terms of, you know, what is the right number of hours to be working? What is the right number of hours to spend with your family? These are highly variable things and sort of depends on the situation and what you're trying to do. Um, but I think it's more important to think about, well, what are sort of my long-term goals? Maybe even think about like what you would like to have done by the end of this year. I mean, we don't have to say lifetime goals even, but let's say like the end of this year. Um, what are steps I can take toward doing that in the next week or so? And then think through your week, think where those can happen. Because I promise you that if you are making progress toward these personal and professional goals, uh, then the numbers themselves become less relevant. Mm. Um, you know, if you are spending maybe a mere two or three hours per week but um, on, on your top priority work project, but you're really making progress in that time, you're doing important stuff in that, that, you know, maybe that's okay. Like, but, you know, you could spend 40 hours on stuff that doesn't matter. And then that's not really helping matters either. So. But will you stay with me on how we, do you have a process that helps people understand where they should be spending their time? I mean, how do we begin to create the core values or the sort of mission statement, if you will, that says, this is where I want to put my time. I think so many people are so reactive to time and to activities. Do you have any advice to the audience on how we should begin to explore where our time should be spent? Well, I think it's really about self-awareness, like um, have, carving out a little bit of time to ask yourself questions like, what am I doing when I am happiest and most fulfilled? What, mm. what are, are those activities in my life? Um, when do I feel like I'm really counting minutes? Because there's, you know, there's, nothing worse than knowing that time in the grand sense is sort of moving from one side of the hourglass to the other. And yet here we are counting minutes, moving it along um, because we're so bored or unfrustrated or anything like that. Um, you know, so uh, spend some time thinking about this. Sometimes people like to think about, you know, themselves 10, 15 years in the future. If you picture yourself in a position where you're feeling satisfied, accomplished, all of these are, uh, really important questions to be asking. 
sorry, I was. We froze just for yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we froze bit. for a minute. Yeah, okay. No so one of the ways you, you suggest is people need to um, not necessarily focus on the end result, but focus on progress along the way. That progress, in other words, simple statement, you can eat the elephant one bite at a time and you should enjoy each bite. Sure, you can You can certainly try to enjoy each bite. Uh, the, no, many big things in life can be done through small steps taken repeatedly. Um, you know, if you think about something like writing a book, it seems like a large undertaking and many people who start might not finish. But if you set yourself much smaller goals, like I'm going to write 500 words a day and I'm going to do that four days a week. Well, that's 2000 words a week. Um, you know, you could write a, a 70,000 word book in 35 weeks. That's a lot less than a year. You know, that's like yeah. eight, nine months. So, you know, but it's just about doing this small step day and 500 words. Most people have sent that amount of email by 10 AM, you know, it's like really just focusing these efforts and just doing them repeatedly. I call these sort of better than nothing goals. Um, Same thing with finance, obviously in that world that uh, saving a little bit at a time, but just do it again and again, eventually it does add up. Um, So, you know, I I think that uh, making small progress every day toward your big goals, making sure you spend at least a little bit of time on these things uh, is is the best way to make sure they happen. So, you know, uh, do you, when you're, how many books have you written a lot? Yeah, like seven now. And was that your number, 500 words a day? Is that something, is that one of your working goals as you come up with a new project? Um, I mean, I often wind up doing more, but partly it's because this is my job, right? Like, it's not like I'm trying to do this outside of everything else. Um, I will have a book contract and have a deadline. And so um, I tend to structure it a bit differently. Like I've got the outline and then I assign myself like a chapter a week. um, And I tend to write it in a day or two and then spend the rest of the week editing it. Mm. Um, So it's a slightly different project when, you know, this is what you do as your your full-time job. Um, But, you know, it's still bit by bit and adds up. And certainly when I have done more speculative things like writing novels, for instance, then I will do a, you know, a small number of words per day and try to keep going with that. So I heard a guy named Jocko Willink. Do you know who he is? Uh, Jocko Willink? He's the Navy SEAL that like, if you look him up in the dictionary, it's his face. I mean, he's just the <laughs> ultimate perfect Navy SEAL. I heard him say that he wrote a thousand words a day when he writes his book. So I said, when I was writing mine, okay, I'll write a thousand words a day. And I ended up writing 84, 85,000 words and the publisher cut it back to 51,000 words. And the only thing I could think about was, man, think of all those days I wasted, right? They just, <laughs> just like that, wasted. they took them yeah, away no, from me. Well, but you didn't waste those days in the sense that probably some of the stuff from those 35,000 words got edited into the other 51,000 and, you know, made that tighter. Uh, I certainly don't write perfect the first time I write. Uh, and most of the things I write can be cut quite a bit by the time it's ready for, for public consumption. Um, but you know, you can use that for other things too. I mean, this is, you know, you could turn those 35,000 words into other articles or into, you know, blog posts or something like that. I I seldom, when you're, when you're making progress toward these big goals, even the speculative stuff isn't really wasted because you're improving at your skills, you're organizing your thoughts and you can generally use it again. Yeah. I burned it. I was so pissed when they told me it wasn't going into book. I cooked it. So I I don't even have the document. (laughs) I was so pissed when they told me that it was a huge shame. Right. But it gives you an insight on who the heck I am. I mean, I like, uh, 
I want what I want. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you publish your own separate book of those 30,000. I already right? tried that, right? I already tried that self-published route. It was better going the publisher route for sure. But, um, but anyway, back to the topic at hand. Here's the thing that I think people get really freaked out at. My, I, I'm a little bit of a checklist guy, right? I mean, I like to check and climb the hills. My wife is totally free form. So is maximizing time a checklist thing? Is it a pie chart? Is it a, you know, check off, achieve, or can you maximize time in a free form mindset too? I really think it's a balance between the two and uh, different people have different temperaments and enjoy interacting with time in different ways. And some people definitely are list makers who like to cross things off and others don't like that at all. They think it feels very constricting and they don't like that. Um, I think there's a good balance to be had. One of the ways I I try to do this myself, um, you know, on Friday afternoons, I plan my week ahead. I make myself a short three category priority list, career, relationship, self. I just try to come up with two or three top priorities in each category. What about health? You put health, you have a category well, for health? Well, self is, self is sort of part of that. Um, and I have some sort of habits I have already that tend to support that anyway. I, I'm, I, these are generally different things than, than that, um, one-off things that I'm planning on doing. What do you mean, like yoga or meditation? Well, or no, or? I mean, because I, I run daily already. Okay. Um, that's already a habit, um, not, a, not an issue. Uh, but a self thing might be a, a specific place I want to run. So last week I was in San Francisco and I want to make sure I carved out time in my speaking schedule to go run along the waterfront in San Got Francisco. Um, you know, I also had a, a personal goal, like we, in our family pool, I wanted to go to the pool all by myself, like not with any kids, <laughs> like just by me, just me. So I didn't have to watch anyone else and I could relax. Um, so that was a personal goal for the week. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, just the, these are small things, but in, you know, those three categories, career, relationship, self, uh, plan those into the week. But the thing is, if you're not planning too much stuff in, you still have a lot of open space. Mm-hmm. And, and this open space allows you to, um, you know, put other things in. So if fun stuff comes up and you want to do it, you can do it. Uh, so that's, that's the fun balance between the two. So you have had this amazing opportunity to, to interview and visit with over 900 people who say they have these tremendously busy schedules, right? And they're extremely productive. Yeah, so for Off the Clock, which is my most recent book, I had 900 people with full-time jobs and families track their time for a day. Mm. Um, And then I asked them questions about how they felt about their time. Uh, So I could assign them scores based on, you know, whether they felt time was abundant, whether they felt time was scarce, um, whether they felt relaxed about time or starved for time. And so then I could compare the schedules of the people who felt like time was most abundant with basically equivalently busy people who felt like time was really scarce. Uh, so it's really all about this time perception and then look at the difference between the two and see what I could come up with. Yeah, Where'd you get 900 people? Did you run like a Craigslist ad or something? I mean, you don't have 900 uh, people that would volunteer for that yeah, in your network. I have, you? I have lots and lots of emails from all uh, lists from all over the years. And so I, you know, put it out and people recruited other people too. And I uh, built out a survey monkey form that, uh, I could, you know, get all this information on. So what did we find out? I mean, we know your, 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 your tenant, which is that most people are not as busy as we think we are, right? But what do the most productive people do? How, how is it working that some people in the same allotted time get so much more done than others? Well, there, I think there's a couple things you can do. I mean, one is just simply being mindful of your time is pretty important. Um, thinking about where it goes and where you'd like it to go uh, vastly increases the chances that you do spend it on things that you wish to be spending it on. 
Um, especially if you do have a busy life, um, uh, because, you know, if you work full time, you have a family, you're not going to like magically go on a long bike ride somewhere unless you've planned that in. Um, the, but there are a couple other things that were interesting too. Uh, one is, um, being willing to plan adventures into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, people who feel like they have more time are willing to try cool things, even if it's like a normal March Monday, which is the day I had people track. Um, they spend less time on their phones. And it turns out that people who are uh, feel like time is abundant check their phones a lot less frequently than people who feel like time is scarce. Those phones uh, are poison. <laughs> yeah, but they spend more. People who feel like time is abundant spend more time interacting with friends. Yep family, uh, less time on social media, whereas the people who feel starved for time tend to spend their leisure time on things like television or the internet, um, as opposed to interacting with other people. I'm in business with a friend of mine um, who still uses a flip phone. And he thinks that flip phone saves him three hours of of unproductive activity a day. (laughs) Can you imagine that? We all, everyone would argue against it. And he says, no, you guys have it all wrong, right? It's It's quite possible. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with social media. It's fun. It's, I mean, one of the ways I build my brand, Um, but you have to use it mindfully because what often happens for people is that you are going to do something relaxing in your evening. And then you look at the phone. Next thing you know, you've been on Instagram for like two hours looking at, you know, other people's lives as opposed to living your own. So you you gotta be careful with that sort of thing. Look, I say to my boys all the time, I say, you know, the biggest problem with you guys, my boys are 16, 14 and 12. I said, the biggest problem with you boys is you don't have to call the girl that you're interested in and speak to her father to get permission to speak to her. You guys can just Snapchat her and you guys get into it. You don't have to go through the real gatekeeper. That's a problem for you in real life, boys. You need to understand how to work through the girl you want to date's father and not just get right to the girl. And do you think I'm crazy for talking to my kids that way? Well, I mean, I... I... (laughs) What I would say is that this whole idea of building relationships through like text messages is pretty funny. Um, And I do think that being able to interact with people uh, in person is a skill that uh, probably needs to be developed a bit more. Um, And and hopefully some people will get back to that. The good news is if you are the kind of person who can do that, um, you you have a real advantage over everyone else having that sense of sort of social grace. Hello. Um, that's so. exactly what I tell them. I said, you're developing something that your buddies don't have. It's a skill set that your buddies don't have, and you need that skill set. And if you can get it, it's an incredible advantage because the other buddies aren't developing that skill set. Yeah, definitely. Now, I think, you know, you have a competitive advantage as, as a guy if you'd be the one who's open up to just, like, ask somebody out in person um, as opposed to, like, texting her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But you remember that as a kid? Like, uh, like, did you grow up with brothers or sisters? Um, well, I have two brothers, uh, one older, one younger. Um, but uh, they're, they're enough older and younger that I didn't really experience their whole like uh, dating lives per se but yeah but uh, when but when the boy called you he had to go through your the home phone well the, the right? home phone yeah that's that's true um and so you know it's a it was a different world <laughs> it's a different world i don't know whether it's better or worse it's just different that's all it's but just I, different yes. I, I will say this my middle son got into a little bit of trouble last week and i had him here at the office and he was doing some pretty hard manual labor and the first day that he was we were leaving the house to come to the office and i mean like sweeping the parking lot manual labor, right? Stuff that he hasn't really done much. But he walks out of the house with his earphones. I said, what are you doing with those earphones? I went and took the phone away the whole bit. I said, what are you doing with those earphones? He said, I'm listening to music. You're not listening to music, buddy. You're going to be in your head for solid eight hours. Now, I'm in Dallas. It's 100 degrees this summer, right? 
I said, you're going to be in your head, my friend. You're going to be thinking about it. And after two days, my wife and I agreed to go to a family movie, and we told our boys that morning, he was so excited to go to that movie that afternoon. He thought about it all day, right? <laughs> of what a reward it will be that he doesn't have to wash windows or sweep. And I said to, I said to him, I, his name is Jack. I said, Jack, the ability to develop that desire is so important. Whether it's to go to a movie or whether it's to date a girl or it's to travel, whatever that desire is, it's so important to get it. And I think just on a side note that we, we make it so easy for our children to not have to desire. Well, there's definitely a lot more immediate, um, yeah, gratification these days. I mean, you think about like back in the day, I used to um, wait to watch The Wizard of Oz, like the one time per year it came on TV which is a concept my children don't get at all. Like that, you know, you wanted to watch something, you couldn't just watch it. Like there was no way that you could just watch it. Um, totally. <laughs> How about a great song that you heard on the radio? You had or to you'd like, like drive around in your car, hoping you'd hear it again. I, you know? <laughs> for, for me, it was uh, Welcome to the Jungle uh, for Guns N' Roses, 1987. I was driving home from college in my Datsun B210, white, blue interior. And I heard that song, and it was the greatest song I'd ever heard. And I, the entire four ride home, I just I was flipping channels to hear it again. Today, you can hear your favorite song that you never heard for in a second. Yep, no, that's true. It's I so don't even different. have to go to the record store to go get it. But yeah, it, no, it is. But there's the the thing is, I mean, with with time in general, I mean, I don't think anything's better or worse one way or the other. These are just differences, and there's certain things that are, are lost, but there's certain wonderful things too. I mean, I think about my phone, like just the Uber app, and I know Uber as a company has all sorts of issues and all that, but uh, you know, like. When I was off in California somewhere and trying to get somewhere else. And I knew I could get somebody to take me. Like, oh. you know, it was a, they would come to my door and take me there and I didn't have to worry about it. Whereas, you know, in the old day, I'd been renting cars and like trying to find a cab company and they wouldn't show up anyway. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. I'll tell you what's really interesting. I have a Tesla. And what the, the thing I love the most about that car is it requires you to think about the, the venture. So we took it on a little road trip with my boys a couple of weeks ago, and you have to think about the charging stations, and you have to think, well, what if I get there and there's no charging station? I'm screwed. Like, literally can't get home. What if we can't get home? What if we can't get a charge? Well, we got to stay a couple extra nights to get the thing to charge. It's such a weird experience, and I love it. I love the ability that this Tesla creates an adventure everywhere we go because it's not just like running out of gas and getting more gas you got to get you got to get a charge <laughs> well I, I don't know i like to get where i'm going so <laughs> maybe i'm not sure if i'd like that sort of adventure um <laughs> But, you know, I think we can plan small adventures into our life, even if we're not going to wind up somewhere we didn't mean to be for more days. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's actually one of the ways that I found people uh, feel like they have more time is by thinking, like, what could I do that's a little bit out of the ordinary today? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the reasons that people feel like time starts passing very quickly is that we're doing the same thing over and over again. And there's value to routines. But you know, when, when time isn't memorable, then we don't remember it. Uh, and that makes it feel like it's slipping through our fingers. I so love that. something memorable is what makes it feel like time expands. Totally. I love that. Let me ask you one final question, if you don't mind. In your study and in your experiment with these 900 plus people, how many of them 
were happy? Well, I think it depends. Um, but certainly the people who, you know, felt like they were relaxed, who felt like they had time to do the things they wanted to do, who answered the question, I spend my time in ways that make me happy. I think that those are all associated with, with being happy. Um, happiness is a funny thing to try to measure. Uh, there's so many ways. Are you happy right now? Well, what does that mean compared to what compared to who, um, you know, happy overall with my life or happy right in this second? Yeah. Uh, these, these are all complicated questions. But, you know, when looking at it in terms of People who spend their time in ways that they want to spend their time tends to be very satisfied uh, feeling. And, and so certainly um, the, the people who, who were spending their time wisely, I feel, fell in that category. They did. You felt that if they, if they were in control of their time, that they were in control of their happiness. There was a correlation to that? Yeah, I definitely think so. No doubt about it. I know it. Laura, thank you for being on the You Need More Money show. It was a pleasure to meet you today. Congratulations on the success of the book, Off the Clock number two and number three on Amazon this morning. You know how hard that is, folks, to be number two and number three. Kindle's number two. The hardback is number three. That is so difficult. Did you know you were you were ranking that high this morning? Uh, no. <laughs> that's not part of your use of time. Try to not obsessively check Amazon. It's, uh, <laughs> that's not a source of happiness. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> awesome. Great to meet you. I wish you continued success. Thanks for taking time to be with us today, okay? All right. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.